Welcome everybody, it's time for the real world of sales. Let's take a real look at real people and what they do to really sell their products and services in this really ever-changing world of sales. With the woman who's on top of it, who's spinning the entire globe for the rest of the world here, we're talking about Ashley V. Welcome, Ashley. Hi, Paul. Thank you so much. You are all decked out. You're spinning a purple basketball. You got your stuff on here. Yeah, what the heck? Right. I, we're talking sports marketing today. Is that what we're going to talk about here? Exactly. We're talking sports marketing for pro sports, college sports, everything sports with right. Corey. Well, the first thing before we do that, let's give a shout out to the people who support this show. I understand you're using your product, your sponsor's product, to stay cool this summer. Is that Yes, true? I've been drinking some vodka, Earth Vodka. <laughs> <laughs> like minutes ago? or. <laughs> I don't know. What do you like What's about What's in this th- bottle here, Paul? What do you like about <laughs> Earth Vodka? What's good about it? What I like about Earth Vodka is that it's a very clean and smooth vodka and they help the environment also, like the packaging, the way they make the product. Um, it's made here locally. Um, it's an American company. It's actually from Orange County. And, you know, you can use it in your martinis, your cocktails, all your drinks. And it's really refreshing. It's different. It's different than other types of And vodkas. it was chosen by wine enthusiasts as one of the best new vodkas out there. That's that's yep. something that's quite an accomplishment. Exactly. Cuz they really Definitely. wine spectator doesn't just obviously talk about wine enthusiasts rather doesn't just talk about wine, they talk about all spirits here. Right. Well, I thank him for supporting this show. I look forward to trying mm-hmm. something. You haven't shared any of it with me here. You didn't bring it I know. You have to come to my parties, Paul. <laughs> I guess I'll so. I'll make you a drink. Okay. Well, I'll, from that, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll wait for the next one, folks. Here we're all going. We're going to have a giant party. I'm Ashley's bummed we place. don't have any because I would love to uh, have a, a glass of vodka. <laughs> I think we could do that. All right. Where do we get to? Where do we check them out? Where do yeah. We so Earth out? Vodka, um, you guys can get at BevMo and Total Wine stores and some liquor stores also in Orange County. And Ashley's parties. Okay. Well, exactly. we're having a party yep. here today. That's Who'd right. you bring with us here? This guy, obviously, he can spin a basketball. He must have been in sports marketing. Here. Right. So we have Corey Chikarian, and he's a <laughs> pro expert. He's been a sales executive for the NBA, for the Clippers, the San Francisco Giants, Major League Baseball, NFL, all pro sports. So he has a lot of really cool sports um, strategies and stories. We're Can I ask today. one question, then I'll try and stay out of this thing, because really, I'm a big sports nut, so this is a cool thing to talk yeah. to somebody who's involved in any aspect of the sports industry. Um, he's trying to figure out how to get the ball from rolling over. to roll away, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I thought everybody would be like solo. They would be, I spend my whole career, I played basketball, I'm going to do basketball, and that's what I do. You jumped around to lots of different sports, so that's... Yeah, no, I, expected. I, uh, my, I'll give you a little bit of my background. I played football, basketball, and baseball in high school, so I li- did love those three sports. Out and here or someplace else? In Northern California is where I grew up. Okay. Um, I'm actually in the Marin County Athletic High School Athletic Hall of Fame wow. and, and my high school Hall of Fame. I'm in the same yeah, Hall of Fame as Pete Carroll, if you ever heard of him. He's current yeah. NFL coach. Oh, yeah, a little, little guy who was at USC and, <laughs> and USC and coaches yeah. the uh, Seahawks. That's yeah. my claim to came to fame is I'm he in was, the same He was a coach when I went there to USC. I USC. saw Pete Carroll on campus. He's amazing. And I waved at him once. He's amazing. It was so fun. Let's so the reason, I'm in the, the reason I'm in his, <laughs> the Hall of Fame with him is because we're in the same, we went to the same high school. Okay. Uh, Redwood High School in Northern California, and so we're both in the Redwood High School. So multi-sports, and then you came out, did you play professionally and didn't I, do anything? I didn't play professionally. That was the dream, and so, um, but it didn't 
quite have the talent to get there. I did play in, uh, baseball in college at the University of Michigan. Um, go blue, yeah. Go blue, that's right. Um, so I played baseball in college. Always wanted to be involved in sports, but you know, I realized while I was playing in college that I wasn't quite the uh, pro level player. So what yeah. can I do yeah. besides playing right. uh, so to be in sports? sports? Yeah, work in sports. And so how did you get that first gig? That's the hard part is getting your foot in the That's door. That's what I would think. Yeah. That's the difficult part because if you think about sport, everybody likes sports and a lot of people like sports and there are very few jobs. So it's like super mm-hmm. high demand to get in and very low supply of jobs. And so it's difficult to get in. Um, I remember my very first meeting. I'll talk about my first meeting. I grew up in the Bay Area, went to Michigan and went back to the Bay Area after I graduated. And I, I met with the A's, the Oakland A's, um, who are probably going to Vegas pretty soon. But the <laughs> Oakland A's. Yeah. Um, I remember I was fortunate enough to get a meeting with them. And, and the first person I met there was like a really high up person in the organization. I think he was president of the team actually at the time. But he told me in that meeting, you have to be willing to pay to work in sports, what? not get paid. What? Yeah. You pay us to come. Oh you pay us to come work for us because it's such yeah. a privilege to work in sports. That was like the mentality that he taught me like day one, my first experience in an interview. So right then I realized that, uh, you know, it's going to be challenging to get in. I did get my, my first gig in sports sales. I was working with the San Francisco Giants doing ticket sales, and that's an entry point for a lot of people in sports is ticket sales because everybody needs to sell tickets right. in sports. Um, but I was working for 10 bucks an hour. I mean, this is a long time ago, but working for 10 bucks an hour, my friends are like, you're crazy taking a job for 10 bucks an hour, but that was my foot in the door, and I did that for about 11 months. Was it like cold um, calling? Yes, exactly. Boiler room kind of stuff, but not, I mean, not like that exactly, but but literally sitting in a little dungeon at Candlestick Park for those old enough to know what (laughs) Candlestick Park is. Lit by candlesticks or probably candles. They didn't have electricity. They just had candles in the room. We called it the dungeon. (laughs) That was our our place to work was out of the dungeon. And uh, (laughs) cold calling, yes. My job was also to renew accounts, you know, so I had some warm leads, so to speak, bring people back who are season ticket holders and group buyers. But our renewal percentage was abysmal. The team was bad. That's a, that's a one, one thing we can talk a little bit about is like what we sell when we sell sports is we sell experiences. We don't want to sell the team and their performance because when a team sucks, which right. Mm-hmm. Most teams go through cycles of sucking. The Giants at that point were really bad. I think they lost almost 100 games um, in baseball. Wow. That's really, really I bad. I grew up in Michigan, and yeah. so I went to the University of Michigan, too. Go Blue. Go Blue. And I was always amazed. The Lions, the Tigers had their day, but most of the Detroit teams sucked. For right. long, long periods of time, or poor, long stretches. Poor Lions of time. fans. I feel for Lions fans. I mean, every year, maybe this is the year they're talking about again. Hooray! But it's a possibility. But it's always next year. And I thought, and they would sell tons of tickets. It wasn't like the stands were empty. And yeah. I thought, how? Why? How do you sell sports? Is really the big question, right? Um, you know, we like to always say too in sports, we're selling, we're selling either wins, <laughs> um, or we're selling hope. <laughs> yeah. Right, so, yeah. Right. so like the Detroit. Uh, sports scene has been selling hope for, for decades, uh, and it's never coming true. But, um, yeah, you're selling wins, you're selling hope. But really what you're selling when it comes down to it, when you sell teams, you're selling experiences, you're selling connections, like human connections. Go it's, with your kids, hang out with your friends. Yes, spend more time with family. Clients like, and If I were to sell and... tickets to you and, and sell even a suite, let's say a suite, like a super expensive thing right. that – 
Yeah, we uh, need a suite really, here for OC Talk. I actually yeah, said she do. was going to get one through you. You can now. probably get one at, at uh, Crypto.com for like the Lakers <laughs> yeah, and the Clippers so. and stuff. It, it's only like, you know, about 300000 oh, a year or so for a suite. So you can probably oh, actually can handle that. On this budget, I'm oh, sure it's no problem. <laughs> I know about that. I need a raise. But, but selling experiences. So it's it's about connection, spending more time with family, spending more time with clients, spending more time with prospects in your business, trying to utilize tickets as a marketing tool for your business is what we would sell. When it comes to sponsorships, you're selling that, that again, human connection with celebrity, human connection with um, the brands that of these teams are very well received in their markets. Even if they are losers, their, their brand is still well received. Is there like certain yeah. players that you also promote, like the star players that help? Celebrity sells. For sure, right. and mm-hmm. and you the sure. you're saying sometime you you actually get a pro player to come out to one of these meetings. Bank, 100%. Wells Fargo's thinking of buying a, yes. a luxury suite or something. Yes, like no, the great example of of our sales teams, our interactions with players really comes down to like how do we close a deal. So a couple examples, you mm-hmm. the Wells Fargo example I, I talked about a little earlier, but Wells Fargo uh, is interested in a suite. Wells Fargo is interested in a sponsorship with a team. What better way to wow them in a meeting than to actually bring a player with you? So if yeah. it's you know, right. if it's an NBA team, you bring an NBA player, whatever. You just bring a player with you, like a seven footer walks through the door right. with the CEO. Oh they're going to be like instantly wowed in that They'll moment. Their picture For suddenly, sure. they and more think. likely to sign the dotted line to get, get the deal autograph. done. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, that's a neat sales. That, pitch. That's part of it. Is is your connection with celebrity, which a lot of these players are are, are big celebrities, and. Um, you know, you can look at the leagues overall. The leagues that do a really good job of marketing their players to like superstardom, they seem to have a leg up. The NBA, the way they've yeah. um, the done that, has been mm-hmm. tremendous. Right. Football's a little challenging. You got the the players are behind the face mask. They're harder to see and connect with, but they do things like create Netflix shows and other ways to sort of really promote the players. Yeah. Or the are the hard knocks shows of any of those. People out there podcasts. have seen the I'm hard knocks. I'm sh- yeah. stunned how many pro right. players in all these sports now have podcasts or their podcast networks about not just for the fans, but meet the players and talk, the players talk and dish and trash. The and, behind the scenes, um, you know, behind the curtain, see like what what it really really like on the inside. That's another part of it. By the way, in sales, that's sort of the angle that we could use all the time when we're calling people or cold calling people. Anybody out there yeah. who's cold calling for a product that's mundane or an everyday product uh you know they probably get hung up a lot but when you're calling from the los angeles lakers yeah. you know you get a lot of callbacks just because you're calling like are you draft wait why are you calling are you drafting me you, <laughs> oh you want to invite me to a game That's yeah i'm in i'll take right. that call you're gonna introduce mm-hmm. me to lebron i'll i'll take that call <laughs> all day long so mm-hmm. that is the beauty of sales in sports is that there is a cool factor of it and that's an right. advantage that you have is uh, you will actually get callbacks. But if you're calling from, you know, I, I don't envy anybody selling, you know, mundane products like uh, widgets, vacuum yeah. cleaners yeah. or right. widgets or whatever they're right. selling. Copiers must be a really yeah. hard gig, you know. And then you have to sell like the name of your company and who you are. But at least with like the NBA and sports, it's pro sports, known. people, yeah, Door people know, everybody knows it. It's out so there. how, what do they sell and how do they sell it? What, what in sports? What are we yeah, selling? What do you sell? You're just yeah. selling tickets. You're I, selling I think, sponsors. Yeah, no. Like I, I briefly touched on it. You're selling the experience. That's what you're selling. You're selling how cool it is to spend more time with your family, to spend more time with clients, and to do that in person, in real life, 
in today's world where you can watch the game at home and it's wonderful, like getting those moments to get together in person is rare. And that's that's the opportunity that we're selling is to be together in person in real life. There's nothing there's no substitute for live experience there really is nobody's ever called me up to sell me a ticket to a sport you should be event. on everybody's list i don't know what's going on <laughs> maybe i'm just why aren't you making the list yeah but i i just i have you ever been approached actually to people you said when you played uh high school basketball that yeah, they were always trying to get the uh women's uh right yeah NBA. i think the, the WNBA um came to our high school or contacted us to have our team go to the sparks games mm-hmm. but um that's good salesmanship they should reach out to every high school yeah, team in the area that's yeah. all i've heard as far as like cold calls for sports but i can imagine you're probably going to be calling like companies in well right now you're what you're a audience. sales manager at a company yes. right now yeah how mm-hmm. big is the company do you know like well how- we have um we're all over Southern California. I don't know exactly how many people. How many millions of dollars of business are you guys doing? Any idea how big of a annual sales? If it's in the millions, then that's that's doable. That's doable. So, (laughs) but you'd be a candidate to to cold call. You would be as a sales manager. We Mm -hmm. uh, in sports. If you're calling about Mm -hmm. tickets now, and I've worked in tickets and in sponsorships and uh, and in general marketing and sports. But if you're talking about tickets, uh, you'd be a great candidate because. Thanks. You you have <laughs> well you actually right, have, you have some interest <laughs> you have some interest in sports that helps right yeah. away but no yes. you you have, if you're a sales manager you have a sales team you have incentives in your company to to reach goals mm-hmm. uh, tickets can be used as incentives for salespeople tickets can be used to drive behavior uh, within an organization tickets can be used for your prospects hey what better way to get together with someone oh, you're trying I to see. sell than to like meet mm-hmm. them at a game or invite them to a game. Um, so that right. those, that's a lot that's of the good. ways we use tickets to, to sell. It, I got, I'm sorry to keep jumping in, but yeah. you're just making me think here. So sales of tickets, that's a big one. That's what I'm here to do is make you think. They uh, want, to, you <laughs> want to put your name on the whatever, on the what kind of sponsorships do yeah, they so sponsor, What sponsorship mean? Uh, the easiest mm-hmm. way to describe, the biggest and boldest sponsorship is the naming rights. On that, the building. That right. should, yeah, so that makes sense, right? Like, like if you follow the news here in L.A. the last few years, you saw that, what was the arena called before? The big one? Staples Staple Center. Center for 20 yeah. years. It was called Staples Center. It's like Crypto Center. Or something. Crypto.com oh my is gosh. the new, Crypto.com Arena. Wow. It doesn't roll off the tongue. No. But we're talking big yeah. money. I mean, this is a, a deal, I believe it was 20 years, $700 million. <gasps> oh, but short of that, what, yeah. what other sponsorship opportunities? Sponsorship opportunities. Ticket sales are interesting in that there is inventory and a finite number. Once you've sold out of them, you can create new experiences, like different seating experiences. But for the most part, it's just like you're buying a seat. Once it's sold, it's done. You can't resell it again. Right. Now that that's actually another whole story. You can you resell it. Season tickets a lot, though. <laughs> yeah. So so season tickets make up. You that's what you want to sell the most of. I'll, I'll give you some quick numbers, not to bore everybody about numbers, but think about Staples Center and round numbers. Crypto.com Arena, twenty thousand seats. All right. Okay. The goal is to have more than ten thousand, more than half of them be season ticket holders, and the reason you want to have. Okay season ticket holders is that's like that's like your base revenue and your base attendance every game it's predictable if right. you it's predictable if you had to sell 20,000 for every game like you could never sell fast enough and get those all sold so you start with this base of season tickets then you can chop it up into group tickets which is like your high school team coming out okay. or your company coming out and then you then you go to finally individual people wanting to buy individual games and you, you use a lot of these websites too now 
to sell your tickets? You do a lot of online sales there. Yeah, online sales is a that actually something I revol- we revolutionized at the San Francisco Giants. We created like a whole group sales online wow. selling way. But our our philosophy at the NBA, and I'll never forget the words. And I gave a talk. It was like. I want to be selling tickets 24 hours a day when you sleep is what I want to do. That was like with the advent of the internet. Like in the old days, it was like, you know, there wasn't an internet. Yeah. Uh, and you literally were like selling hard tickets tougher. out of a room, right? Yeah. Um, oh but today you can sell tickets at any time, any place, anywhere. Um, but yeah, utilizing different online tools. The group sales world is an interesting one. If you think about a traditional group, so think about your high school team coming out to a game. Okay. So let's call it 15 players. And then a few sure. coaches. There's family of those players. Now, mm. all of a sudden, that group can balloon up to like 50 people might come from your one team. If you have a couple family right. members mm-hmm. plus the team, now you're at like 45 yeah, players, 50, 50 players. Come, and some of your friends. So you got a nice group of 50 people. That's a good sale in, yeah. in, in sports. I see. Um, the old way of doing that was calling your coach and saying, buy 50 tickets for me. And the coach is like, I don't want to put up money for 50 tickets and do all this work to put it together. Right. We've created technology today, the websites and companies that now you basically, all the person has to do is send an, an, a link out to all the people wanting to come and they buy on their own, but they buy all the tickets are bought together. Everybody sits together. Special it's all organized yeah. through technology. Right. Yeah. It's a discounted price, a special price. Right. And the person that organizes it doesn't have to do any work other than tell people, just mm. go here to get your tickets and you're, you're part of easier. our group. Definitely. It's, a, it's an I've easy seen, way to do it. Have you seen what's so funny to me is like when I've been to um, games, basketball games at the Staples Center, crypto yeah. isn't even doing well <laughs> now. So I don't even know about the name. But <laughs> Crypto.com is is not like FTX. <laughs> it, it hopefully will still be around. But yeah, uh, go, go ahead. Yeah. Hopefully, right? But I used to see those um, people that were standing outside on the street Scalpers. selling tickets too. Yeah, yeah. What well, we could talk about that. We could talk about that. That's that's a fun evolution in sports. <laughs> so the old days were yeah, guys on the streets selling tickets. I got two here. Who needs two? Yeah, you know, right. mm-hmm. the yep. new world is StubHub and SeatGeek and, and, uh, and Game Time and yeah. who else? There's a million other. Vivid Seats is the, actually the industry leader right now in resale. It's called the secondary market, and it's all done online. Really, today, the the, the idea of standing on the street corner selling tickets is really long gone today. There are rarely even any hard tickets anymore. Meaning, physical tickets you hold. Most of the tickets today are held. Mm-hmm. You know, electronically, digitally, on your phone. Yeah. And uh, so if you had tickets, like I had tickets to University of Michigan when I was a student. Yes. I didn't want to go see every game. And And you resell them. I'd resell them. I'd stand on the corner and say, "Hey, I got two here. Make a business." (laughs) And and I did. And then I started collecting tickets from other kids that didn't want to do. And I actually made a little business out of it. A little business out of it here. (laughs) Nice. Not supposed to. I was a scalper. (laughs) And and today, I've seen more and more teams say, "I don't know if they all do this." If you're a season ticket holder, you're not going to go to every game. We've got a way. We got a way can, to do it. Yeah, that you can. And did the teams take a piece of that? You or? know, I was part of that revolution with the San Francisco Giants. We did a couple of things with the Giants that were revolutionary in that space. First of all, we created scanners and barcodes where you could scan the ticket. So what that did is the original ticket that was purchased by the season ticket holder right. would then be killed and unusable the mm-hmm. second it sold, and the new ticket was issued, and that one was the only good one, and that technology allowed you to resell and do it electronically and never meet the person you're selling to. But did wow, the teams wow. get a piece of that resale? Yes. It was 10% in and 10% out, like 20% essentially. So they sold me the ticket as a season ticket holder, and then they helped me resell the ticket and made profited off of that resale. Yes. Wow. Yes. And you filled the seat. You did two things. 
One is you made the season ticket holder happy that they were able to sell games they didn't want to go to, right. or maybe even make a little money on the side. But you made the season ticket holder happy, which did what? It increased your season ticket base. Exactly. You get more people interested in buying. I only go once in a while. Why am I buying right. season tickets? Yeah. And right. then the second part is you you open it up to a whole new market of people to come to your games and create new fans, and those those individual buyers become. Partial plan and holders and season ticket holders. Twice, and you effect. sold the ticket heights and you get a little percentage of that. It wasn't so much about the percentage you're earning on top of that. I mean, it's relatively small revenue stream when you think about the and if resale. if you sell out the building, but it, is it a looks little bit. good. And then more people. 100% like? no shows. The no show factor decreases as well because people who can't make it can now transfer to somebody who can make it. And, and then uh, they buy good. more popcorn right. and more it's, pennants yeah, and everything. Yeah. Drop count is what that's called in the organ, uh, in the uh, how many people actually make it to the building after mm-hmm. tickets are bought. A lot of times you'll see the, you, you guys hear this uh, all the time, like attendance. It's yeah. like, oh, there was 40,000 people there tonight at the Miami Marlins game. Right. And actually there was only like 6,000 people who made it. Yeah, but the, they don't show it on TV. There could have been 40,000 yeah. tickets sold and only 6,000 mm-hmm. showed up. But, Do you guys do any yeah. media sales too? In sports like TV? So that's one area radio. I never worked. But those are the three revenue streams in sports. It's tickets, mm-hmm. it's uh, sponsorships, and it's media sales. And that would be okay. TV rights, you know, streaming mm-hmm. rights, and radio rights, and all those things. Uh, those are the three main revenue drivers for sports. Now, okay. the little revenue drivers are things like merchandise, uh, food and beverage, and all these ancillary parking, revenues. Yeah. Park, yeah. Parking. parking, yeah. Those are, those are the ancillary revenues, we call it. And those are make up minuscule percentage yeah. But more that seems to be growing because more and more the Dodgers were, when that sold that team, they were worried about who gets the parking rights in Anaheim. Dodgers are unique. They're unique. Like, Crypto.com doesn't own the parking lots around it. Mm-hmm. They might own one or two, mm-hmm. but they basically don't get huge parking. But Dodgers are unique, and they own all that yeah, land. big bucks. And that, if you think about, what if it's an average, you know, they park 20,000 cars there. So think about a $20 uh, parking pass times twenty thousand cars, like that's big like money really for an empty lot. Big money. Yeah. And it's, I think it's more than twenty these days. But yeah, that's a huge revenue stream. I think I calculated once, like around ten million or something annually in parking, or more than. It's probably more than and that. What are the sponsorship? When I when I you know, we're at uh, UCI's Applied Innovation Center, so they have big events downstairs, corporate events. I say big events. Five hundred yeah. people, a couple hundred people show up. I'm always marvel at the sponsorship. There's a title sponsor like there is at a, a sporting game. Somebody has their name brought to you by this bank. Right. Then there are all the secondary sponsors, the gold sponsors, the platinums, the silver sponsors. And then I sponsor the luncheon. I sponsor the uh, fly. I sponsor the program. I sponsor the bar, open bar. Sponsorship is limitless. I was yeah. getting to that point earlier and we got sidetracked a little bit. But, but ticket sales is a finite number. You can only sell so many. Sponsorship. You have some inventory, so to speak. Like you only have one naming rights you can sell, but you can almost sell anything in sponsorship. You can sell the air. You can sell like you know spaces that don't exist. Like sponsorship has almost limitless opportunities to add. Now sponsors the coffee cup that everybody gets. Somebody's brought to you by this. Somebody sponsors the bag that everybody holds as they walk around collects stuff. Is it it for each team individually or like Yeah. Typically the way it works is each team has their own sponsorship. Now the league is responsible for big things like the national broadcasting rights, the media rights that you talked about earlier. That that's something the leagues are typically responsible for. The teams okay. are responsible for their own individual local markets, and, and what the teams are responsible for are tickets in their own markets, local sponsorships. There are national league sponsorships, but those that's the league 
responsibility, but teams responsible for their own sponsorships in their local market, sure. their own tickets, and their own media rights, which would be like radio um, or local TV. And how about licensing? Local Where they get to license their name? Licensing is interesting too. That's I mean that's that's really done at the league level. It's not again not like a huge revenue source, but yes, you can you know, license being able to utilize the marks of an NBA of an NFL. That's everything. big big yeah. money to be able to license and use those rights. Um, people you know, steal all the time and just make products with the, right. with the, and yeah, those are, sad. those are unlicensed products. What about the athletes? Those like are the you, new scalpers. Who are some like top athletes in the NBA, like some stars that you guys use for sales? Um, I think we would want to use the biggest stars are the best. Like that's what you yeah. want to use. But the like ones Kobe who are Shaq. most, <laughs> most, the ones who are most willing are the ones who aren't the biggest stars, but yeah. Everybody wants Brad Pitt to go out and push the movie, but For you sure. get the third lead For instead sure. of Toledo. Yeah. The ones, you know, the ones who are the least stars are the ones most willing to do it. But I think every league understands that. Every team understands that. It's written into contracts. They have to have certain number of uh, times a year. They, they need to be present at events and things. The number was twelve, I think, with the NBA. Like, like the player needed to make like a twelve appearance uh, per season. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as names go, uh, you uh-huh. name it. Uh, then in media, she just wants to hear fan people. story. She wants to meet. So yeah. Who did you meet and hang out with? Mike, I'll tell you my. Really I'll tell like you my, and... my greatest <laughs> my greatest sports experience. I was looking for a company called Leg- Legends, which is owned by the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. And I was I just happened to be in meetings in Dallas during the national championship, uh, the NCAA basketball national championship played at the time at Cowboys Stadium, which is AT and T Stadium. And so that's Jerry Jones, owner of, of the Cowboys. And he had a suite right at center court and like 50-yard line for football, center court for the basketball game. I was in that nice. suite. That was my coolest experience ever. I was in that suite, Jerry Jones' suite, which is a massive suite. That like 60 or 80 people are in there. Oh my when gosh, I, when wow. I go in, I knew something was up. I didn't know who was in that suite when I got to go in. But I, when I went in, I was like checked by these guys in black suits with like ear things in. I'm like, some, oh somebody important secret is in. Service here, yeah, yeah, secret service. So in that suite that night, 2014, it was Connecticut versus Kentucky national championship game. There was not one, but two presidents. So it was uh, wow. Bush oh and Clinton were both. So it was two former presidents at the right. time, but two former presidents were in that room. Plus, I don't know, a dozen like cowboy players were in there. So it was like Michael and they were Irvin. Rooting and, for the Cowboys, even both well, presidents? Well, the Cowboys weren't playing. That was the national champion basketball game. So it was, it was Kentucky game. versus Connecticut, but it was oh, Cowboys. Watching but it was Jerry Jones' suite. He was, oh gosh, Jerry Jones wow. was hosting the national championship at his stadium in, in Dallas. Open invitation to That's Jerry Jones. Right? And, and I remember the broadcast, I, I looked back later, like they, they shot the president sitting down in that suite like a hundred times during the show. The, you don't want to say they shot the president. <laughs> Yeah, sorry about that. That was uh, incorrect okay. language. They they took they took video of the. Of the so we're uh, coming customer. to the end here, Ashley. What do you want to know about selling? So, we could ask you endlessly. What a cool world to sell! And I isn't know. that every salesman's dream? You're selling something. It must be a, a easy to sell. Everybody wants sports. There's, there's no sales involved. You call them up, they buy. Yeah, it's not easy. Yeah. It's not easy, but it's yeah. fun. But it's because we are selling something yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. And it's easier now than like years ago when because you have all the digital side of it now. Digital sales that that sort of eliminates the person a little bit when you do some digital work, but because you can market and sell through and digital you have, channels, you have a social too, media. Corey, right? My digital marketing company, Max Sports Marketing. Check us out at maxsportsmarketing.com. And but, what do you do through that? So we do digital marketing of sports teams. Um, you know, our, our goal is to do 
get people's attention about your product, uh, which is a sports team typically. Or you know, I work with colleges too. We work with Cal, Stanford, and UCLA, and some other schools. USC. UCI needs you. UCI could use some marketing, right? But digital marketing is just about getting people connected to your program through social media, through your website. You know, improving your uh, search optimization. You know, when people think about Mm -hmm. sports in your area and they they Google like, I want to go to a baseball game. I hope you know, hopefully it pops up your team because we've done the right uh, social uh, right uh, search optimization on your on your website. So that's us, Max Sports Marketing, in in a nutshell. Yeah, that's great. I think that's really important now. The whole digital side for sports because everybody's on their phones now. Right. It's one click right. away from going to a game. There's numbers, I think, when you talk about individual tickets these days and the way they're purchased, like half of them now are purchased through the phone wow. um, oh my gosh. versus versus a laptop or calling. Yeah. Nobody's calling anymore <laughs> to buy tickets. So what? Uh, give us one takeaway for mom and pop widget company here. can be big or small, but they're not selling something sexy. They're not selling something the ears perk up immediately and go, oh, honey, the NBA's calling. Pick anything. It's an auto part. It's a yeah. toaster. I've got. A, I've got your takeaway. I've got it. Okay. Um, in sports, the analogy we use is in training salespeople in sports. We would have those young people coming up in the sales world think about their most cool sports experience in their life. It could have been going to a random game with their father or whatever. And that was a great memory for them because it was a human connection. Right. So when I think about whatever you're selling figure out what that amazing experience is that's a human touch, a human feel, a human connection experience. Just look at advertising today that hits home. Advertising today that hits home is about yeah. like being with your family or mm-hmm. that, that moment with your mom or your dad. Riding or your the horse and the wind's going so, through your hair. So you what's know. that experience? What is that experience for your product that you can then – weave into your sales pitch and weave into your story as a product seller uh, that, that hits home in a different way and it makes an emotional attachment uh, to that product. We do it in sports by what's your favorite sports moment and what's your favorite San Francisco Giants moment, your favorite LA Laker moment, LA Clipper moment. And that memory creates a visceral kind of experience in the brain of the person and hopefully makes them make an impulse decision to buy right there on right. the spot because of that experience. Right. So that's my Biggest takeaway or biggest thing I would recommend. So it, you believe in emotional what, sales? Emotional sales, man. Not that's, just features makes and benefits. The, here's the list of what it does. Everybody's got all that. That's that's yeah. And who wants to listen to that on the phone today from someone calling them uh, or in person yeah, even? I think it has to build that. That builds that relationship and makes it like memorable for, for people for sales. Hundred percent. If you can make a direct connection, we call it hot buttons. What are the hot buttons? The people. If it is, everybody has a interest in their family, hopefully. Uh, um, and if you can make that connection, that'd, that'd be great. We also like to tie in like what school you went to. Hey, the Michigan connection. I Always love it. Right. Like, yeah. so if I, if I were calling you and talking about sports, I would dive into our Michigan background uh, and connection and use that as a, as a tool to, to connect with you and, and sell you. <laughs> and you probably yeah. would. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You probably would. You create a bond over there. Yeah. What do you right. think, Ash? I'm sorry I took over so much here today, but you guys... I know, Paul, you love sports. <laughs> I love <laughs> sports. Ashley, you didn't get enough in there, right? What, what, what didn't we ask that you want to ask? Well, I mean, I think to me, um, you know, I, I'm curious about the players because that's always what's interesting to players, me is players, like, players. how are they, you know, like, you are they like partying know. a lot? Are they like really I got nice? A couple, I'll, I got fun? one story. Okay. Um, no one's listening to this, right? No, no. <laughs> Just us. No, Just us. Um, 
Joe Nathan. So when I was with the San Francisco Giants, we had a lot of fun with Joe Nathan. He, so he was a pitcher. He at the Giants, he just started to come in his own. He came up as a shortstop, wasn't? But he became a closer of the Giants, and he did really well. And the first year after the first year, he did well. He got traded to the Minnesota Twins, mm. and he went on to become the best closer in baseball. Um, nice. So the, I'm thinking the time frame of this was around 2004, five, six, seven, somewhere in that time frame. So not too long ago, but a while back. Joe Nathan, look him up. Anyway, so right. when he was just coming up in the Giants, we used and I was about the same age as him. We, you know, I worked for the front office. We didn't have a lot of interaction, but we just met one night and like started hanging out and we started going out. But I remember multiple times <laughs> in my apartment in San Francisco Uh-oh. Uh-oh. dancing on the like washer and dryer in the back room <laughs> to like music after the bars closed. We went back to the, the apartment and we'd dance on the dry, washer and dryer. Close out the night with the best the closer. closer. There you go. There you go. So that was a fun like. Drunk Dancing. Going out, nice. partying with Joe Nathan uh, back in the day. That's awesome. Joe's a great guy, and and mm-hmm. uh, and I was so happy for his success when he went on the, to be like the best closer in baseball with the Twins as well. But wow. uh, oh my but gosh. There you, anyway, go. you that, guys that was still talk? Fun. You guys still talk? I haven't talked to him. No, probably in like in like ten years. I probably haven't talked oh to him. It's been he a would long remember time. those. Parties. He would remember those parties. At, <laughs> at, Maybe he wouldn't uh, want to my apartment it, but on California. <laughs> that was the famous apartment on nice. California Street. Well, now. Ashley, thank oh you for bringing cool. this guy in and talking about this. What a cool topic! It doesn't seem like a you know the purpose of this show is to present people doing unusual sales. Right. If mm-hmm. you can do it, we can do it. What can we learn from you? But Again, you just got us at, at hello. When you say sports, <laughs> you, you, what, how hard do you have to sell? But you're saying it really is, there is sales Well, involved. I think there is an aspect, that, like if you're selling women's sports or men's sports, mm. who's going to go to your game? Guys For girls? sure. The demographic, the target audience changes dramatically by teams, by mm. women's, men's sports. It definitely changes. Um, I, you know, one of the things I think I'd like to share too, is that the sales process to me is the same, regardless of what you're selling. Like, you know, we actually do train in the typical sales process about, um, you know, the way way you open, the way you tell stories, the way you get them engaged, the way you ask questions, the way you uh, work against, work work against the, uh, uh, the, when they object, how do you overcome the objections objections, and how do you close? Like all those processes are the same. How you sell it, I guess, is the is really the difference, and that goes back to the experience of selling. That's what sports sales is. It's selling the experience, not the wins and losses, because you know a third of the teams are losers, a third of the teams are middle of the road, and a third of the teams are winners. You can't, and you're not going to be a winner every year. So you have to sell the experience. Well, what a great yeah, experience today that, having you sure. come in. Thank you, Ashley. Here, Doc, give us yeah. your website again. How do people find you? And what? Because you don't work for. You I, I'm my own, own consulting company. I did work for teams and, and things like that for many years, and consult and I've consulted uh, for for many years now. It's called Max Sports Marketing. Okay. And that MaxSportsMarketing.com is my how do they find out more company. about you, Ashley, and all that you do? Where do you want them to go for you? For me, um, you guys can buy my book. It's called Ferocious Sales <laughs> Skills. On Amazon, so we're trying to get in here. You iTunes, don't plug it enough here. <laughs> Barnes and Noble. I'll ferocious scale sales skills. I yes. love it. I yeah. love it. Right. Not just everyday sip. Ferocious yep. sales skills. Exactly. Which ferocious. which doesn't jive with your person. You don't come to across me, as a ferocious <laughs> pushy salesperson. We totally. talked about ferocious this before. is about being like determined and persevering in sales. Like Internal not up, ferociousness. Not, yes. not like, mm-hmm, like killing people like a like right. a lion or something, <laughs> exactly. but like internal ferociousness. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, you see how hard I have to work her to get the plug in about her book here? At the very yeah. end, she's like, I have to... Thank you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right. Well, thank you guys for coming in here. Um, what a cool show here. Thank Hopefully you for having me. Back and talk more about this, about a world that you somehow think doesn't need any sales. But like everything, we're all selling. We're all sales 100%. people. 100%. Right? Right. That's it. Well, that's it. One more reason to tune in each and every time to the real world of sales. As we talk to the real people who are really selling stuff. Sometimes things you don't think you have to sell at all, but we're all salespeople at heart. Right here in Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio. Streaming live from our studios here at the University of California, Earth.